Hello and welcome to the Science Fiction Book Review Podcast. My name is Luke Burridge and this is a show where I review every single science fiction book that I read as I read it. There's no set schedule, it's just whenever I finish a book, I do the review, stick it up here on the podcast feed for everyone to download and listen to. Joining me today is Juliana. Say hello, Juliana. Hello, everyone. And today I'm going to be talking about a book called Babel or Babel, depending if you're Ooh. British or American or something like that. I guess. By yeah. R.F. Quang. First of all, though... Uh, do you have anything to say? Because normally we do an opening bit where we talk about our news updates, what other things we're reading, anything like that. Um, no? uh, um, I've done like some in-between Adrian Tchaikovsky reading. Oh, yes, you did your sexy so space opera reading, didn't I did you? one more sexy space opera, but this wasn't, <laughs> like, it wasn't too bad. Like, it wasn't too one sexy. One day we'll do, we'll do a podcast, but maybe I'll read no. one of that series and we'll do a, a sexy space. Yeah, and, I tried getting and, into different... Oh, sorry, carry on. And I got another book um, because I, I found a website I like or I, somebody mentioned a website uh, on the internet so it's called whatshouldireadnext.com yeah and there I put in uh, like a Ch- Becky Chambers book and that led to me finding my current read yeah which is called and I'm now bringing up the, the library book yeah. it's called The Order of the Pure Moon Reflected in Water okay. by Zen Cho right it's good. I enjoy good. it. And um, uh, is it so science fiction or anything, or are you just checking it out? It no. I've never no, heard of it. No, so. no, it's it's not science fiction. Okay. I don't think so. I haven't come across any science fictiony elements in this book okay. yet. But it's or a, fantasy. Uh, maybe fantasy. Uh, no, right. but well, maybe we'll talk about it on a something. future podcast. But um, yeah, so uh, I recommend if you are, if you're looking for a book, you don't yeah. know what or you're looking for. What should I read next.com? What should I read next.com? Maybe I'll check it out. Yeah. I checked out, I went through some other books. Other um, books. Well, you know, because I'm always like, oh, and I've started lots of books. Another book that I started and I'm, I've given up on was by a, an author called Rivers Solomon called An Unkindness of Ghosts. Okay. And it was mentioned, I don't know, somewhere. And it was on my to-read list. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I have various to-read lists. I've got wish lists on Audible. I've got, uh, you know, Goodreads wish lists. And also like just a to-read Apple, list. Yeah, yeah. And also Apple Notes are just, all right, look this up to see if it's going to be added to a list or yeah. something. Didn't get far into that. I recognize the cover of this book. Yeah. Um, it's actually... I found it is uh, as i think it's in the audible free library or something mm-hmm. as an audiobook mm-hmm. so yeah maybe it's recognizable um the iliad by homer emily wilson translation oh it's the new i started it's that a new recording uh new no it's a new translation a new and translation. a new recording yes. and you know how in the in the review of that i was kind of annoyed by claire danes she did the uh, she did the uh, the odyssey yes the reading of the series. and says so like she's not very good because she doesn't really act and she just reads it all straight and i think a, a better <laughs> performer would have brought more out of it here they've gotten some some, like Broadway theatre actor, yeah, and she—it's—it's it's worse in the opposite direction because she's putting <laughs> a performance on everything, yeah, and and it's lots of kings and princes and you know lots of kings, you know, like yeah. all these people. So everything that they say to each other because they're kings and it's all heightened. She's putting on like proper like you know theatrical performance. And I'm like, no, this can just be a conversation. So and now I'm struggling with that one. I was like, ah, oh, maybe I should have just like not tried to do this as an audiobook. Yeah. And so I was like, please, can I have my credit back, please? And Audible is like, no, you've been asking for too many credits back. You know, I've always said like, oh, yes. as soon as I get into a book and I'm into it. Audible has decided that I've asked for too many credits in back. In a row. In a, yeah, well, yeah, because that's the thing. Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. using it as sort of like as a, you know, as a test. And yeah. they said, you're not, you, it pretty much said, you've been, you've been not using this in the spirit as returns should 
be used or yeah. whatever. Doesn't so, it, um, on, on, on um, Audible, do they not have like samples? Yeah, they do have samples. And I wish I'd have just had a sample. But I was like, yep. yeah, I read the last book in this mm. series, which is actually the mm. next book in this series by uh, Homer. You know, everyone has to go for the, you know, for the, the follow up book. Yeah. Um, anyway, so there's a few other books that I've started to test it out, only got a bit into it. So I need to actually make notes that i mean i will carry on with the iliad i just need to kind of recalibrate my expectations for the audio yeah and maybe find the correct kind of situation to to listen to like this is nothing you can look uh, listen to while you're winding down in bed yeah yeah that's what i I often (laughs) want a book that i can put on at night listen to and then fall asleep you know 10 minutes into it and when it's you know um greek kings shouting (laughs) at each other uh, and into your ears so let's get on to today's book this is uh rf kwang Kiang Kwang actually should have looked up how to pronounce her name. Yes. Either way, this is a book called Babel. It's got a longer title, but I want to actually talk about that in a little bit more yeah, as I get into the... Uh, I'll tell you the full title of this book. Okay. Um, so is it a book about Babel. languages? <laughs> it is a book about languages and the Tower of Babel. Look, it's right there on the, yeah, on the front I could cover see it. here. Yeah. Um, this book was in my to-read list. I'd seen it mentioned around in different places and I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And then I looked it up and I realised it actually won the Nebula Award. And I always say that the Nebula mm. Award and the Hugo Award now, they're not a reason to read a book. They are just one signal among many other signals to Mm. say is it should i Mm. should i put some time into it or should i should i read the book and after finishing the book i realized it was actually the 2022 nebula award winner and it beat for which in which category best Best novel best novel best novel so this is according to the um what's this one yeah the nebula awards is the science fiction and fantasy authors or the science fiction writers of america i guess it's their thing so science fiction writers of america think this collectively this is the best book although we all know it's not about being the best book it's about being in the in group it's about you vote for me this time i'll vote for you this time so that's what i'm saying it's just it's a it's a it's a uh, uh, an award voted on by other uh, on the peers by the peers or whatever so uh, yes so uh where's she from the author um let's have a look let's go to here um author there's a page here she's a marshall scholar translator and award-winning number one new york times bestseller author of the poppy war trilogy and babel uh, among others so she's american i'm guessing she's american but it doesn't say and then i looked at her website i went over to her website and guess what all it says about, and you click on it, and all it has is two blurbs. One oppressed by 50 words, another one pressed by 100 words. Okay. So it doesn't say where she's from, doesn't say her nationality. So I'm just taking it to probably American. I honestly don't know. Maybe if I looked up a Wikipedia page, but what she writes about herself is that she wants to say that she's an award-winning number one New York Times and number one Sunday Times best-selling author. She's got an MPhil in Chinese studies from Cambridge, an MSc in contemporary Chinese studies from Oxford, and is now pursuing a PhD in East Asian languages and literature at Yale. Wow. So okay. why do you say wow? Because I think that is impressive to have that many uh, academic achievements. No, no, here's the thing. And here's the and... thing. It, she is telling you that that is what she, that she's saying that to make you say wow yeah you know what i mean it, it, it worked this is what the book is in a way this oh, book okay. is an extended author's bio of do you did you know i went to oxford did you know i went to oxford again i'm and i'm gonna have quite a few criticisms of this book and i'm just gonna say it up front this for me is a three-star book this for me i 
overall enjoyed this book. It's twenty. It's very long, but I don't regret reading it. And I mostly had. I say, well, I say mostly. I generally had fun reading this book, and okay. I and I don't regret reading it. Yeah. It, oh, it's okay. It's an okay book. Mm-hmm. It's better than average. It's well written. Three stars. So keep in mind that three stars from Luke is a positive review. Four it star is... books are really, really, really good books. Yep. And five star books are all time great books. So just, just putting this into context, yes. this what I'm going to talk about now is a book that I generally enjoyed, that yes. I, I generally don't regret reading and had fun with. Okay. Yes. But oh my goodness, is this an author who is very, 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 very much wants you to know that she has um, a PhD. Oh no, whatever. She's got a master's. I don't even think is she she writes so M. much Phil. in the, yes she writes so much about in these in in this book i've realized i'm talking quite loud i gotta turn my mic down so um she says she's she immerses you in the world of going to oxford okay uh, to the royal society of translators and language Ooh, that which sounds is, a, which like is, a fun setup in the yeah first it is place. a fun setup back in uh, i think it's set in 1830 about 1834 to 1840 you know there's like a, a span of like a set over there yeah. but mostly about you know first second year third year fourth year going into the fourth year students at the royal um uh, academy or whatever it is the royal guild of translators something something <laughs> okay um but it's based a lot on an experience of going to Oxford. Yeah. And I tell you something, she went to Oxford and she really, really wants you to know about it to the point where even here in the press bio, where she has an MPhil in Chinese studies. What's an MPhil? Don't know. Don't look. You just have to know enough about Oxford to know what an MPhil is. And you need to already know enough about uh, Cambridge to know what an MSc is. Master oh. of Science. Yes, it's and a yes, ma- it's master, master of Philosophy, I guess. Maybe, again, I never maybe, heard of this, but it doesn't... This graduation but, but the whole point degree. is, like, when she starts going and writing about the book and these people go to this place, and it's very much like, oh, okay, and now we're going to, you know, in this... They obviously have different names for the terms or the semesters, you know. Okay. So there's... I don't remember what they are, but there's this one and this one, and you just got to know that, oh, so that's the first year, is it? And it, it, it works well. Mm-hmm. Everything works well as, like, immersive you in what it's like to be a you know a student at Oxford yeah um but it, it's very much written from the point of view of someone who has been to Oxford yeah and wants to write <laughs> a book about Oxford and then what happens is I finished the book and then I was like oh yeah and then there's this author's note you know because there's always author's notes or introductions or other things like yeah that and that's at, at the, the end no no it's at the beginning, at the beginning. but I, I don't like reading them because the I don't want to know what the author thinks is important about the book. You know, it's the same with the, when I was reading the Odyssey, before you get to like the, like five, six hours worth of audio book of someone actually reading the Odyssey, there's a, like an introduction, an author's note and translator's notes, which is like three hours worth of an introduction to the book of the Odyssey. Yes. And why would I ever read a three hour introduction, which is telling me what to think about the book before I actually get into the book itself? Well, I think we need to differentiate here now the, the the um, the Odyssey and this yes, kind yes, of like okay. it's a different I'm just, sort of. I'm just of... using that as a as yeah, an yeah, example. Yeah. So I go back and and I read the, uh, um, the then I go back and read the. Uh, so you uh, read the author's note after yeah, finishing. Yeah, I normally do that. It's only it was only five minutes long, um, and it pretty much says I care too much about Oxford 
and Oxford University. Right. It, that is what she's saying. She's like, I'm now going to reply to all of the people who are going to accuse me that my the Oxford that I'm portraying isn't real. Like, you know, there isn't a massive tower with called Babel, which is where the Translation Institute is. <laughs> yeah. She's like, what I did is what I did is in my imagination is that I moved these two buildings further apart and imagine another street <laughs> and put an imaginary tower there. It's not there in real life, but I'm imagining it in this pub that they go to. That's also not there. There's no record of any pub there. What I did is I invented it. And, and I was like, yes, that's what I just read your whole novel. Everything like uh, the novel, like it's literally reading an author's note of somebody who doesn't uh, who doesn't know what an doesn't know what an author's job is or doesn't know what a book is or doesn't know what fiction is or doesn't know what know what historical fiction is. Like I'm going, yes, it's your job to change things about reality yeah. and then portray them as as real life, you know, as, as real life in the book. And I have never been to Oxford, don't know the Oxford. She's literally written a five minute rebuttal to the imaginary audience, like the non-existent imaginary only in her head audience yeah. or readership of people who are like, well, that's not how Oxford was in 1836, was it? Because that pub didn't exist. And it's like, yeah, we, we're yeah. all better you know, readers than you are a writer in this, in this one situation, if you know what I mean, in this one thing. I think two things come together one. here. One thing is the online comment yeah. practice trauma. Maybe. And the other one is you could have like, like in TV series, what often comes up before an episode of something like, I yeah. don't know, one of those um, Law and Order or something. It comes up with a, yeah. a little disclaimer saying like... Um, None of these events are like actually yeah, real, yeah. and yeah, yeah. Uh, something that appears none of based on, on reality or real yeah. things. But you know, and this is kind of thing you could have just written. This is based on Oxford. This is a a, a no, work of fiction. Need, she doesn't need to do that. I know. If you no, look, listen. <sighs> I'm saying something if that frustrated wants... me after I finished the book, by the way. So I didn't go yes. into this. Yes, and I don't understand why somebody would put that up front. Yeah. Because it feels like... Uh, here is the, here is know, the last line. Here is the last line <laughs> of the author's introduction or forwards or whatever Before it was. We no, read the author's the note. Before we read the oh. note. If you find any other inconsistencies, remind yourself... This is a work of fiction. And I literally typed that in. I was like, yes, if you find... It's like, this is what fiction... This is... And, and it was like mind-blowing that I'd read this, like I'd listened to this 20-hour audiobook, which is historical, you know, fantasy fiction, you know, but like based on historical stuff in yeah. a historical sitting, yeah. a, a setting. And we're meant to believe that, like, all of this happened? No, of course it didn't. Like, of course, everybody in the book isn't not... I mean, of course, there are some real historical yeah. figures who pop okay. up. Anyway... It's just, it's just, it, it was mind blowing. But just to, just to be really, really clear, really, really clear, mm. this author went to Oxford and Cambridge and Yale. But this is the Oxford. Like, it's very, very important. Because, okay, I think we got that. Now. No, no, but I'm saying I actually quite enjoyed it because a lot of it is like what it's like to be a student at yeah, Oxford in one of it, these. It, it these... sounds like a really good fun setting. It can be fun. Anyway, so, I, uh, I wanted to say uh, this feels very much like certain generational trauma kind of thing what like do you mean just writing a writing a book and instead of just putting it out there preemptively well it's not generational trauma it's preemptively maybe pre uh, getting ahead of okay, any sort of okay let's move on from the author's note because again it, that's just a side point okay uh -huh. so let's get on to the main thing about this book okay yeah this is a book where 
Um, it's all about language. Like they're going to the, you know, Translators or Language Institute or whatever it's called. I can't remember, but it's like the main place of the whole British Empire where they gather all of the best scholars together yeah. to, to, to do translations and to work on language and to make dictionaries and grammaticas and all of these other kind of stuff. It's the most important thing. The reason why it's most important, because the magic uh, in this world is based on translation and mistranslation and etymology. Oh, because you have these bars of silver and if you write a word oh, you write a word on one side of the bar of silver doesn't do anything you write another word on the back of the or the other side or the other end or whatever it is like to inscribe yeah. words on silver and then the gap the translation gap between them is how what what the magical effect is so uh... if you say so if you say something in um you know, like just in, in German and English or something like yeah. that. A, a word, which is obviously the root of, you know, one word is the root of one to okay. the other. Yeah. Um. So we would say what, okay, just off the top of my head, in, um, in, uh, in, in English, we use the word swine. And yeah. then you would say, oh, schwein, you know, it's yes. from pig. But we also have in English pig and we have pork, you yes. know, from different places. Yeah. So now when you say swine, it's got a different connotations in English than schwein does in German. Yes. Because in German, I mean, of course, there's other connotations there too. There's, but there's, like I'm saying, whatever the mismatch of connotation is. Yeah. Like the difference in those two words, swine and schwein, yeah. um, that will then be accentuated by the silver, the power of the silver, and whatever that effect is, is going to then make things, make the magic work in that way. Okay, what magic? Like to make um, railways run smoother, to make um, electricity work better, oh. to make, you know, every, okay. or, or everything in the Industrial Revolution mm -hmm. has bits of silver embedded in it ah. to make it work better. So if you want something to run quieter, you put, you know, quiet and another word, which is a bit like quiet from the Latin root or whatever. You put those two things together and it makes something a bit quieter. It makes okay. ships run a bit faster. It makes right. everything. It's like the Industrial Revolution is happening. Yeah you know as it was as it was very much as it was <laughs> yeah. but everything is just a little bit better and a little bit smoother and okay. works a little bit more so yes. for example at one point morse um the person who invented morse code like the telegram yeah. turns up and he's sort of like well i haven't quite worked out how to do it and they're like well we'll help you do it like uh -huh. we'll, we'll get together and there's quite a few inventions which are invented anyway yeah but they're they're invented a little bit earlier and they run a little bit smoother if you know and what i mean everything is a bit elevated. like the railways yeah. are like well there wasn't any railways until the 1850s but here in the 1830s they're running railways around right. you know okay uh, that kind of stuff yeah. so so fun concept um a lot of like everything about this book is then about language and etymology and because rf quang studied language and what was it here uh, it says here all, that, all kinds um, of languages contemporary chinese studies east asian languages and literature Chi you know lots of lots of chinese studies and lang lots of languagey kind of stuff um so she's obviously you know getting good at this and a lot of it because our main character is from china he's a half chinese boy you know english father chinese mother mm -hmm. taken from canton which I guess is, where's Canton? It's near, it, uh, what's the city near Hong Kong? Shen, Shenzhen? Shenzhen. Guangzhou? Guangzhou. I Guangzhou? I think, I think Canton is Guangzhou. It's one of those big cities down near Hong Kong. Yeah. Um, 
you, you always think, oh, this city's big. It's like, oh, no, Guangzhou is like, you know, 40 million people and is next to Shenzhen, which is another 20 million people, whatever. Yeah. So it's one of those. So he's from there and he's brought back um, by his uh, new guardian, his new English guardian, obviously his father, like right from the start, it's obviously his father. And then it's revealed later on, not even later on, like right at the start, it's revealed that his father has plucked him out and brought him back. And because they need someone who can think and dream in Chinese, mm-hmm. but then can come over and work for the Translation Institute because they need to get the language. They need like a link. Yeah, they need a link. Yeah. So he needs to be able to speak English like a native English speaker. And also he needs to be able to speak Chinese well enough mm. to think and dream in Chinese mm-hmm. because to make the magic work, you've got to do the translation. Then you've got to say the words, mm. but you've got to say the words and not just read them out on the page. You've yeah. got to like understand them. The uh, meaning yeah, the, behind You've got it, yeah. to really understand the meaning of the different translations. Yeah. So this whole book is about... This, not the whole book, a lot of the book is about the words and etymology. Yeah. And uh, like all the time, it's sort of like every chapter, there's like, oh, and this word means this, but it actually means this. And it comes from this root and this root and this root. Again, a lot of really good fun stuff with this. That no no complaints me. about this, even though in the end, uh, which I'll get onto a bit, uh, the, the magic isn't actually that impactful in the world because, again, she doesn't seem to understand what, you know, science fiction is because this is science fiction, even though it's fantasy. Yeah. It is science fiction because it's like everything is based, all of the technology is based on like industrial revolution and like new technology coming along and improving people's lives or not improving lives or, you know, making the empire run more smoothly or making it not run more smoothly. Like it's a very science fictional kind of premise yeah of like so magic but not like normal magic like hocus pocus magic but magic which is like magically assisted new technology in an industrial revolution okay and they actually don't she actually says it's not called the industrial revolution it's called the silver industrial revolution right which made me start thinking when was the term the industrial revolution invented was it invented was that term invented in the industrial revolution Generally, these terms are invented later, later and yeah. applied back. But they're all saying, oh, the Industrial Revolution, the Silver Industrial Revolution. Uh, and this was a sign of one of my main complaints about this book is that it's like, what if Oxford in 1836, 1837, 1838? Yeah. But also all of our main characters are transposed people from 2021 or 2022 or whenever this won the nebula or whenever it was published and won mm-hmm. the nebula. Just imagine people now, teenagers who mm-hmm. are going to university now and all of their language that they have now mm-hmm. and all of their social attitudes and all of their progressiveness and everything that they know, all of the discourse that they're having on Tumblr and Twitter and all that other kind of stuff. Uh, and all of the political correctness and all of the, you know, the word that you don't like, but wokeness and everything like that, which is part of today's modern progressive, you know, um, especially American science fiction and fantasy award winning kind of thing. Yeah. Everything that's at that level. Yeah. Everything that's at the most right on thumbs up. You're not making any things like if you write anything on Tor.com, nobody's going to come unto you on the, on the comments and say, are you being appropriately, you know, yes. um, uh, culturally something something oh that's yes. what i mentioned on a previous podcast yeah. wasn't it it was a uh, cultural appropriation is it cultural it was it was for um adam roberts uh, yes. his his book which was called the this yes. and he mentioned the uh and he mentioned the uh the, the bardo yeah. and the first comment or the second comment under a review of his book on tour.com was people saying um am i like what can i find problematic about that i can't remember it yeah, wasn't yeah. even a negative but comment is- but it was like 
But that all what that you're now saying what? makes it apparent why she had to put this well, massive pre. No, 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 no. That's no, no. That's it. Was it? No, uh, absolutely not. The author's note was not addressing this at all. What I'm saying it is now. It's it's amazing how much it is assumed that the lead characters, like the main characters mm-hmm. in this book, can be one hundred percent twenty first century Gen Y. Gen Z, whatever the, the the no Gen Y is millennial, isn't it? But yeah. whatever whatever the level is, like whatever the person, like if you're in your early twenties now and you've been exposed to all of this, you know, progressiveness and cultural yeah. sensitivity, yeah. and we have sensitivity readers, and you know, there's no yeah, yeah, yeah. no cultural appropriation. This is not how like people that. in the 1830s now, would and have again. This is not acted. a criticism of any of that. But now imagine a group of kids like that are literally going. Take them out now, take them all the way back and now drop them into Oxford Mm -hmm. in 1836. So we're talking like 200 years ago, Mm -hmm. not quite 200 years ago, but let's say 200 years ago. And then reading how they're talking, and I was listening to it, but as they are talking about things, my brain is exploding because I'm like, this is a book about the history of words and etymology and terminology and language and everything about it is language. But it's as though we're now reading people in 1836 discussing language and social issues and colonialism and everything like that using the language of 2023 or 2021 or whenever this was written to the point where and i made a note of this she says um like so letty is the the like the white girl character in it and she does something and she something's revealed and she's sort of like oh like fainting or something and she's and someone says she's not helping the feminist cause and i'm like this is 1836 and i'm like when and and all my brain was doing was like when was when was not when was feminism invented because you know it's like the term feminism so i looked it up and it was first recorded in english in 1851 originally meaning the state of being feminine in the sense of advocacy for women's rights it's from 1895 so here's someone in 1836 or 1838 or whatever saying Mm -hmm. she's not she's not doing anything good for the feminist cause and like there's this like hammer going off in my head where there's this mismatch between this is a book about language and words and etymology and like the differences of understanding and the characters in the book are so modern that i couldn't understand how they existed in their world at the time yeah like i couldn't understand how their thought processes were so modern yes like they're talking about reading dickens and you read dickens now and it's not like you know Charles Dickens, no, not Charles Dickens. Um, what is it? Oliver Twist is thinking this or that. It's like the what makes those books interesting is that they, you know, they still hold up. The stories still hold up. The characters are still amazing. Yeah. But you can't read those things and go, ah, well, what if those but grew up reading Tumblr posts or whatever, like <laughs> yeah. in in the you know in yeah. 2017 or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, yes. there's a there's yeah. a um, if, if a book put so much of a spotlight on the topic on the language and etymology means, and terminology means like your your internal like you know the the truffle pig kind of like truffle pig is going around like yeah. like you're like your your senses are so heightened for these yeah. things and then your your senses are also heightened for what you're literally reading yeah the etymology of the words no, but like, that are when they're used. talking about they're like talking about empire and colonialism and it's just like everything that the main characters say and think yes. and do yeah. is assumed to be correct 
but the the way that you can assume modern yeah. like anti-colonialism and going okay colonialism is bad right okay yeah. and ra- racism and colonialism is bad okay so we're taking that as given yeah. but all of the work that needed to, to get to the point where now we can see that it is self-evidently bad. It took 200 bad, years. It took, yeah, it took 200 years to get there from this point. And yeah. all of that by the main characters and their cause is completely skipped over. Yeah. In a way which is, again, not bad, not wrong. It's fine. It's yeah. okay to read a book where you're like, what if 1836, but actually the like the, the, the attitudes of today in the main characters. Yeah. Because otherwise we'd just be spending a lot of time with very racist people. And there are very racist people in this book, but we're spending time with, with the, you know... The, 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 the good the, people. Well, yeah. Well, like, well, in Oxford, the minorities. So we're, to- yes. we're with the person who's half Chinese. We're with the yeah. person who's from, who was born in Haiti, but grew up in France. And, you know, she wants to know more about her Haitian Creole background. Yeah. She's been brought up in France and she's black. Um, And then there's Rami, who is from India, from Calcutta. And then there's Letty, who's the, you know, the white girl of the group. And again, I found these characters and their dynamic and their experience like, okay, like it was fine that they were there. Yeah. But it's a, it just is, there's, over and over and over mm. the work is done by modern language mm. our modern understanding of the word colonialism and that yeah. that's a negative word yeah i'm like when did colonialism get a negative connotation that you can just say that's colonialism and everyone around understands that you mean something negative the, by the that. impact and you know what, what, and yeah. we have lots uh. of other diversions where like oh the, this word used to mean that but over time it became no in this over time in this other language it became known as this if you know yes. what i mean like now if you say something is awful we know it means bad yeah but it used to be awful and awesome used to be like it, it's it makes me full of awe and yeah. it is has awe in it you know oh, we look at something and go, awe, yeah. we look at goes and go oh that mountain is awful these awful mountains now you're like why are they cold and dirty or whatever <laughs> it's like no they inspire awe oh you mean awesome it's like oh yeah awesome and awful have this yes. you know all of these words which now mean something in 2023 yeah. that have positive negative com- connotations like talking of race and talking about colonialism and lots of other stuff. All of that stuff is kind of like just brought into the book and sort of like presented as um, a given. As a given. But all of these other words, these other words, now let's get into them. And I'm like, do the word thing that you're doing now. For yourself. For for the words of 2023. Like, tell me when colonialism stopped being a a good word. Like, yes, let's do colonialism and, you know. Well, I don't even think that at the time. I I don't know. Did they call it at the time? I don't know. I'm not going to do her homework for her. But that's the whole point. When you are in a time, you are acting, you are like reacting on things. You're living your life. And then so... In the, in the time, they probably said, oh, it's exploration and it's helping yeah, other people yeah. and it's, lead a better life that's or whatever. That's stated, that's told to me in the book yeah. that the missionaries were like, yes, all they need to do is get the aboriginals. And as long as they, you know, put on real clothes and learn English and become Christians, everything will be great yeah. for them. Yeah. And they it, thought it was like they were wild and they yeah. had to be... Uh, I know educated now, and... and but this actually I think is the interesting way of oh, the the good part about this book is actually reading about these experiences of these students yeah. where uh, and again this is 
wrapped up in the stuff that I found disappointing in the book that like the book cares so much about word uses and etymology Mm. for some parts of it Mm -hmm. but only the words which are good for writing spells and then all of the words that are being used for social stuff and progress and you know uh, colonialism and anti-colonialism and anti-racism and no cultural appropriation all other kind of stuff all of those words are just modern words used without any in our it's like, context in some cases yeah. it really cares about word uses and etymology hmm. when it's got to when rf crank can show off her you know chinese you know translation skills and that she's studied greek and latin or whatever because she really wants you to know that she studied greek and latin okay and that she's very much as good at greek and latin as she is at other modern languages very important and also that she's studying chinese very important that you know that but then the english words which means so much like colonialism racism cultural appropriation like when did these like all of those words which are these out of place words in time yeah she just doesn't care about them it feels like yeah okay they're there to push the politics of the book which again i found very interesting so the politics of the book is these students who are brought in from around the you know around the empire Mm mm-hmm Oh, not only because um, Haiti was not part yes, of the empire. Yes, I was going to say, <laughs> but a lot of the discussion about that is sort of like, oh yes, we we passed the you know no more slavery bill, and they're saying, oh, but that was more of an economic thing. It wasn't it wasn't a uh, it wasn't a human rights thing mm. or whatever they said. Yeah, Again, don't want to bring up when human rights to, the term human rights was ever invented, but it wasn't you know it wasn't it wasn't about you know uh, freeing of slaves. It was more about oh this is going to cost too much, mm. and now these other mm. uh, economies are reliant on slave trade so if we don't but we don't need slave trade now because we've got faster ships and we've got steam and we've got the industrial revolution so we don't need slaves we've got you know weaving machines um so we still need the the stuff so if we outlaw the slave trade we're actually one we're one up you know our economy isn't dependent on that so if we outlaw it it makes it harder for our our you know colonial uh enemies like france yes. and spain and yeah. the, the netherlands yeah, yeah that was the that was the the uh the thought process behind it not the oh how can we be nicer to yeah, other yeah, human yeah. beings <laughs> yeah so what we have are these characters who live in this world where and it, it's again this is very much hammered o- over our heads that these people are working for the British Empire. Mm-hmm. They're going to be like linchpins of the British Empire, but they're not of the British Empire. But everyone, all the white people around them are saying, you should be grateful. You could be in a slum in Canton, but now you're here and we are being looked after and you've got the best education in the world and you're going to be really important and everything's great. And and then they say, oh, great, so I can be British. And they're like, no, no, you're not British because you're not white. Mm. And then they're like, oh, so I'm Chinese. They're like, no, you're not Chinese. You should be British. So this, the main tension of this book yeah. is like what, like if you're half Chinese or if you're Chinese, you're not looked at as British, yes. but also you can't be Chinese, yes. but you're not British. You know, this whole kind of thing of like falling between the cracks of yes. like where you are in the world. Like if you're, yeah. you know, if you've got ethnicity from here, but now you live here, where is your identity? identity and that is hammered over the head to with us in this book again not in a bad way but just sort of like a yeah this is a 20-hour audio book and like if you hadn't repeated this this idea this theme so yeah. much yeah um but yeah it's it's an interesting that, that that's that's a good a good part of the book as well um so our main character is robin he's got three friends letty who is from i don't know 
the Isle of Wight or Bournemouth or something. Her mm. father's an admiral, so she sort of like gets into the university and t- just studying. Yeah, because uh, yeah, her brother um, was studying there, but then he died, and so then she was she like could take over. <laughs> well, kind of, because she was the one helping him do all his homework anyway, and like yeah. doing his. She was his tutor, her yeah. language tutor, so yeah. she was really good. Uh, Rami is from. Uh, from India and Victoire is from France but like like from Haiti but into France and stuff mm-hmm. like that um so they're the cohort so they're brought in and you're like right you're the language students this year yeah. there's four of you and so the first half of the book is just them getting through university for three years okay um however Robin our half Chinese or Chinese um guy young kid who was brought over unfortunately not very clever. Okay. But told that he's a genius all the time because he's really good at language. Like these are all genius. They're all very clever. Yeah. But like socially, not very clever. Intellectually, it's just not very clever. Like everything that's happening around him, like I'm like, yeah, but that's not the way it works. Of course you're doing this. Like, you know, mm. like of course this guy who plucked you out from your, you know, your mother's deathbed while everyone was getting cholera or whatever and was like, I'll heal you with this silver thing. Now come back to England and stay with me. And they're like, oh, you got another one. Oh, yeah. Like, whatever. And you're like, all right, so this is not the first time. This this is obviously your father. Um, and he's, you know, you're an experiment to how long you have to leave a child in China for them to learn Chinese oh, right. enough. You know? Oh, I see. And But he's denying it for so long. And then he turns up. And like the first person he meets, like Rami, his like friend who he meets is his first person at Oxford is like, oh, right. So you're the son of this professor then. And you brought over and he's sort of like, well, I've never really asked him about it or anything like that. And I was like, yeah, it's obvious. Like, so all the time, obvious things are happening around Robin. Okay. And like, he's not getting it. He's oblivious to uh, clues. So oblivious. Okay. And he's just not very good at life or anything. And okay. then happens. It does happen. But we get deeper into this story as more important things start happening later on. I'm like, why is this Robin's story? Right. He's, why are we following him? Why are we following him? Hmm. And then there's these other hints of other people with more brains and more social life and just better, not better people, but like would be better main characters. Hmm. Like I'm like, yeah. There's obviously something going on between Letty and Rami, but you don't see. And you sort of like, yeah, and then they got really catty at each other for a long time. They and got what? Catty, like sniping at each other and they're, you know, oh, normally oh, you're like okay. joshing like with people. Fighting. And, yeah, not, no, not no. fighting, but like kept catty. Snappy. But, no, like... No. Like Catty. barbs, you know, like when you're when you're joking around with some people and you're like, oh, I'll make a joke about you, and you make oh. a joke, and it's not like, oh, we're all joshing, and then suddenly two people start doing it, but instead of being like like kind punches on the shoulder of of insults and joshing, not physical, but I'm just sort of mm. like, oh, you, you know, ah, oh, like you'll say something and it'll be like, eh, I don't like that. Suddenly it becomes like catty as in like bitchy about each other, and suddenly the jokes that you tell to each other are like more vicious. Yes, and. And, you know, and you're like, all right, so those guys have had like, uh, uh, there's obviously some kind of romantic relationship there, which either happened or didn't. Yeah. Maybe. He, and they need to prove it to the outside that nothing you, happened. <laughs> not even that, but just to each other. They don't like each other anymore because there's some history there. Right. 
we get but can i just what? sorry you now used three words in 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 a very short period of time that Ka- i have Katty never Snipey. heard you say joshi joshing like joshing, joshing about with each joshing, other Katty. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't matter the language really doesn't funny. matter but the point is in the book this is here mm. and he's like hmm i wonder why that is and then suddenly they get over it and they're like oh they're they're you know they're back to it and they're being kind to each other and it was like and i was like now they're fucking or whatever you know like mm. whatever's going on there like you know you you, you can just but he doesn't see it and then we wait for the entire like another 12 13 14 hours of an audiobook and yeah. then someone sits down and says actually robin this is what happened between letty and rami and he's uh, like oh really is that what happened and we're uh, like and i'm like yes this was obvious 14 hours of the audiobook ago and robin is just so stupid and dumb and disconnected from everything. And then the, he brings the other characters down to his level. You're like, oh, Rabbi's got his head screwed on. And then, like, so like two thirds of the way through the book, he, he kills someone. And then it's Robin. Suddenly, yeah, Robin kills someone. Ooh. And then we're like, oh, okay, now we've got to deal with this. And they're on, like, on the ship. So he kills someone on a ship sailing from China to England. And you can like, just no. chuck them overboard. Yes! Yes, you could just chuck them overboard. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, they're, they're drowned. They disappeared. Then becomes this comedy, I would call it a comedy of errors or comedy, whatever it is. It's, it, it becomes this kind of like, oh, we've got a body, we're going to do this, and now we've got to cover up the fact that he killed someone and the other students are in with it. Letty and Rami and Victoire are in with it. And they're like, well, what do we tell people? And I was like, this is the easiest thing. Oh, I said I listened to the incomparable episode. I went back and listened to it. They, they talked about this book oh, back in February. you haven't actually not mentioned that yet. Yeah, well, this, I, this is the thing that they were saying as well. It's like the most, it's like the easiest place, to, it's like the easiest thing to do. Yeah. Okay, so we've got, like, we're, we're six weeks to sail back to England. Yeah. It's like, we chuck the body over the side. Yeah. We're telling the people on the ship that he's ill. When we get home, we just need to come up with a watertight story and then get back to Oxford and say, oh yeah, he died on the way home and he was buried at sea. Like, you've got six weeks to work out the paperwork that would have been on the ship. So six weeks to get into the captain's office, like, to get into the thing, put a stamp saying, oh, yeah, there's a burial. You know, because there's probably ways of dealing with people who are buried Well, that's way more official than I would have said. I, I thought that person could have just gone overboard and then this is, that's it. That, that's what, you just it. say, oh, he fell overboard? Yeah, yeah like... Again, no, nothing to there prove are against. twenty different ways that these kids could have worked it out. But here's the thing: these kids are really good at languages. Languages, <laughs> but there's even lines in the book which say you've only they are intentionally only teaching you languages. They're yep. not teaching you sociology, life ethnology. Skills. No, no. Let me finish. They're not teaching you history of the places because they don't want to teach you that because that's not important. Only languages. They're not talking ethnology, sociology, anthropology, all of those kind of stuff. And they're making you 100% dependent on... Babel on on the on the translation institute. But does the, language work without all these? It doesn't matter. D- don't worry about that. They're just learning. They're just reading the grammaticas and talking. But mm. what I'm saying is, they're also they're they're being given a place to live, being given food all the time. They get 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 money all the time so they can buy any clothes that they want. Other people at Oxford, other students don't get this. Mm. So actually, they are being kept in this state of stupidity and ignorance about the world. Mm-hmm. 
um, which I thought was actually well explored in this. Like the privilege, you're very privileged. You should be really grateful for all of this. But yeah. in the end, they're like, yeah, but we don't have our own lives. All we have is just like the knowledge and the words, but we don't know anything, which is why it seems weird that all of their social attitudes are like perfect. And, yes. you know, they're all perfectly feminist and perfectly non-racist and perfect. Everything about them is perfect, like to, to 2023 for standards. Our, for our standards. Yeah. For our standards. Yeah. It really stands out. But they're quite stupid in other ways, which is which is really strange because as we go through, I'm just like, but why are we following? The-? And of course, it turns out that Robin does very important stuff. Mm. at the end of the book mm-hmm. he is very important but we've got then three quarters of the book with someone who's a bit stupid but then we have these other people who are sacrificing things for the, him mm. and i'm like sure you're his friend but like why are you sacrificing so much for someone who is this stupid and this bad at what he doesn't he accidentally kills someone mm. and then you've got to like risk your entire life and future and everything trying to cover up this dead body and then they get back and they're just being stupid and then we, it's only in the last bit of the book do we realize that there's this whole other world going on the cohort a few years above them with people like griffin evie sterling you don't know but other people who read this there's like this cohort that cohort of you know the uh, you know five years ten years seven years earlier or something Mm -hmm. their story seems really interesting and there was like obviously a love triangle between evie and sterling and griffin and they were like uh, you know doing cool stuff and like like leaving and and faking their own deaths to become you know underground revolutionaries and all this kind of stuff and i was like why like I want that story and Sterling turns up and he's like suddenly a main bad guy and I'm like Sterling he was like only mentioned once before and Robin was like oh yeah I'd only ever seen him once before but now he comes in I'm like where's Sterling's backstory like why are like if there's this like generational rivalry rivalry between Sterling and Griffin and Griffin why isn't that this story why have I spent 15 hours with Robin who's stupid and dull like not just dull as in like not clever but also he his life is dull like he doesn't have any life or personality outside of his own outside of being a student and outside of being half Chinese and being conflicted about his ancestry which again is all good the student stuff is good conflicted about ancestry where do I belong am I part of the British Empire or do I represent China but if that's all that you're there is nothing (laughs) there so I'm like and and I was like ah like and then the, we have these interludes like between different parts of the book we're like now here's Rami's story and mm. Rami from and I'm like Rami's story is more interesting or like because I'm filling in all the gaps yeah. I construct a story for Rami which is more interesting yeah. than Robin's story that I've heard yes and then they're like and now here's Letty's story and Letty is a bit of a tragic character but then we realize why she's that like and what her upbringing is mm. and how she's a woman and she has to fight against the sexism and all that kind of stuff and I'm like that's an interesting sh- her character arc is more credible and more interesting than Robin's and then we get Victoire at the very end like in the epilogue we get the full, fully explained backstory of Victoire, who's French, but like from yeah, her family from Haiti, yeah. but she grew up in France. And we get her story in the epilogue of the book, her backstory. And I'm like, why wasn't this story that's now in the epilogue mm. introduced in chapter, I don't know, six or whatever it is, when he turns up and makes friends with her? Like Robin... They're all like, and the friends were really close and they hung out together and I didn't understand why they were so close. And I'm like, yes, because 
in the room that they were in, there's probably some silver and they did some translation stuff to make sure that these cohorts get together and like study together and yeah, work yeah, out together. Course. I'm like, it's probably magic, but Robin is too stupid to do it. And I was like, it was it was unexplainable why they I, became so hard friends. And I'm like, it's probably magic. And if it isn't, that's my reading of that's my yes. head canon of yeah, it. Yeah, of course. So we just spent so much. it makes so sense much... because it's, it's kind of explained in all, yeah. everywhere else. It's explained what it does. That they use, that they're scoping this. And I'm yeah. so again, the book, again, I enjoyed like again, mostly enjoyed so much of this. Yes. But, oh my goodness! Give me the story of Effin, uh, Griffin and Evie and Sterling and that those previous cohorts because this is it. And then people start just sacrificing their lives for Robin, and I'm like, why did this person try and come here and do this for him and then die for him and then oh and go on magic? No, not magic. Bad storytelling, bad characterization, bad writing. And again, I don't want to give away what happens at the end of this book, but it's, it's, I didn't understand. It's like some of these, you know, recent, you know, it's like this uh, Star Wars or something. Mm. Because somebody has got the right ancestry and has the right name, oh, like right. the name is Skywalker, yeah. suddenly people are like, I will sacrifice for myself, go on and win the day. And I'm like, there is no evidence up until this point that Robin is anything more than a complete idiot. Why are people putting mm. their lives at risk yeah. to save the idiot? Like, literally at points, I'm like, he is facilitating an idiot plot. Things are going wrong because him and his friends, but him specifically, is an idiot. He has, have, he has no knowledge or no experience to make him make me believe that he is anything more than a stupid idiot and yet people are sacrificing themselves yeah to make sure he lives and escapes and does and it does make sense like narratively yes he does go on and you know he is going to change the world or whatever's going to happen big impacts in the story later on but i'm like as the story goes on, it's revealed more and more that he's going to be more important. Meanwhile, more and more is revealed about the people around him and every single one of those other people, I'm like, what about that person's story? They're more interesting, you yeah. know? What yeah. about this professor? What about this other person? So yeah, that's where to get on. Um, I've got a few more notes. Wow, a few more notes. Yeah, that's yeah I've already a got lot. all the way him. Oh, also, um, just another thing about this, this privilege, like like the idea of uh, of... RF Crank again no judgment against her as well but if she studied Oxford and Cambridge and is now at Yale mm -hmm. she should not be telling me talking to me at all about unionization uh, working class struggles or anything like that because this is the same thing that Robin has he's a thousand percent percent privilege like he gets a, a you know daily or weekly stipend stipend mm -hmm. uh, stipendium there's different words but yeah is it stipendi Grand stipendium a stipendium but it's stipend. a stipend in English yeah. it's a stipend but yeah. it's also a stipendium so yes what where's the etymology stipendium is the Latin origin yes okay so whatever yeah. gets he gets an allowance let's call it allowance yeah uh, he gets food, board, everything's looked after him. A thousand percent, percent privileged here, mm -hmm. and he's going to be one of the most powerful people in the. Uh, if he do, if he sticks to his job, he's going to be the, one of the most powerful people in the whole of the British Empire. Mm -hmm. And yet, uh, uh, but and then near the end, the working class people are sacrificing their lives for him as well. And I'm like, oh, isn't it a? Ah, uh, that's a pity. And again, it it mostly works. Like again, there's not too, there's nothing too much there about it. Like there's uh, again, it's not a big issue. But like, I'm not interested in mm. the magical powers of the most privileged people in society. Yeah. Yes, he's half Chinese. Yes, he's 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 working well, through the racism. But it it's 
I don't know. It just, it almost feels like if you're talking about cultural appropriation, it almost feels like cultural appropriation that the working, the working class struggles in England against the Industrial Revolution is being kind of culturally appropriated into the, you know, whatever, you know, whatever the anti-colonial kind of part of this is. And it's it's a weird positioning there, let me put it right. that way. And it's discussed in the book sort of like, yes, the working class in, in Manchester and Canton have more in common than they do with the people, you know, outside, you know, the, in, than their the, own in their own countries, yeah. their own masters in their own countries. Yes. And I'm like, yes. But there's no work. To, there's no work done in this book that the white people, the working class white people, would be any less racist than anybody else in Britain at the time. Yeah, like no work is done to that. It's sort of like, yes, right on. The working class people come and start saving the day, and I'm like being led by the foreign like the massively privileged foreign students of literally the ivory tower of yeah. academia yeah. and the working class people are giving their lives for for the massively privileged yet you know yeah. uh, ethnically diverse and culturally again it's one of those things that in this book is sort of like yes of course because yes we're like all, yeah, all that, of the good people are racially like blind so many, you know are so blind many, to racism so many dichotomies in this yeah and again, it's, like, it's toyed with and played with and it's kind of exposed. But then there's that last step, which is sort of like, and the reason for this are these words or the yeah. reason for this is this yeah. concept. I just wanted to ask again, when was Robin taken from from China? 1832. No, no, no. When, how old was he? Oh, uh, he was like 10 years old, okay. I think. So if you're 10 years old, yeah. yes, sure. He Up until then, he grew up with his mother and in, yeah. in circumstances, I don't know. With an English nanny. With an English... Oh, so they're not working class. No, he he was. It's it's explained in the book that the right. family had fallen on hard times because the the people the the, the they were like more uh, mercantile class. Robin was right, um, but then due to the opium uh, uh, wars, I was going to say wars. They the opium wars haven't happened yet in this yeah, book. Yeah. Kind of what the book's about yeah. is the lead up to the opium wars. So uh, opium, the opium dens. Then all the money had yeah. been gone in like spent in the opium. But they dens. still had an English nanny. Yes, only because they'd fallen on hard times and the family was being paid by the English professor who'd visited to huh. impregnate the the ah. widow and then give her money and put a, an English-speaking nanny or whatever it is with okay. them so okay. he could grow so up. So he learn. has uh, the uh, access to the English yes. language and yes, stuff. Yes, yes, okay. it's so, very but artificial. All... It's a very artificial situation. Yes, like, okay. But that means works when there's he an is not, of language. he is not... Uh, he's not part of a working class family. Nope. He didn't experience that. Nope. He didn't grow up like that. Nope. And then gets to appreciate the privilege nope. he then has. No. Nope. No. Okay. A hundred percent. Right. Privileged in every single way. And I mean, is... not down to his fault of his own. And no, not no. like Again, he, he didn't have any. any but the privilege but... is examined in the book yeah. via the language mm. of twen like 2023, yeah. if you yeah. know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. there's this disconnect between like what what Britain, how the white people of Britain would actually be just because they're working class doesn't mean suddenly they're not racist anymore yeah. and that they'll start taking orders and start giving their lives to protect no. like the, 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 the kid from India, the kid, the, the, the black girl from Haiti, Haiti uh, from the, from the Caribbean. And again, it, it's fine if that's what the story wants to focus on. Mm -hmm. It's just, there seems to be some missing steps there. Yeah. Which again, 
Nothing wrong with any if of the we politics. If we can accept that these steps are missing, if those steps, are, if, you're, in, if you're a hundred percent fine with the politics of this book, which is, again, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with this, but it's yeah. it's kind of grappling with cultural appropriation or like appropriating languages and things. Mm. But then there, there's a tension there in the book, mm. which which maybe I'm missing the the solution to this, but mm. it feels like it's missing there as well. Right. Um, magic and says, did it do anything really? Um, because the magic is sort of just associated with like all the inventions that were being made with the weaving machines and the railways all of that's invented anyway but just slightly earlier so there doesn't seem to be anything it doesn't change history yeah. like the wars are still happening the colonialism is still happening mm-hmm. everything is still happening the same mm-hmm. but there's like this layer of magic on and then the ending they just want to do a let's bring down the system oh isn't it really handy that the system exists in this building that we're in here Oh, we can just take down the building. And guess what? Then magic will stop working like all the way around. I'm like, ah, it's the kill switch Mm, problem. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, why is it Mm -hmm. that at the end of Star Wars Episode 1, The Phantom Menace, they're like, oh, you blow up the ship in in space and all the robots down, all the droids, the battle droids stop working. They're like, oh, well, that was convenient, isn't it? That there's one kill switch. Yeah, the mothership. Yeah, the mothership. (laughs) And the translation thing with all the silver, it's the mothership. And they're like, all we need to do is take control of that. Yes. In the, the same way in the Independence Day, oh, we just have to infect the mothership. And well, in that <laughs> case, there is a bit more to that. That's actually <laughs> well powering it. Again, if it's, built into, if it's built into the story, and this was built into the story, the full title of this is called Babel or the Necessity of Violence, an arcane history of... Oh, fucking website. An arcane history of the Oxford Translators' Revolution. That's as a I'm long reading, subtitle. As I'm reading this book, it's called The Necessity of Violence, An Arcane History of the Oxford Translators' Revolution. So I'm like, all right, so by the end of this book, there's going to be necessary violence and a revolution among the Oxford translations, translators. Yeah. That's the title of the book. <laughs> you know? Oh my uh, goodness, I'm glad that was put, th- that I thought, I'm glad that was in the title. It's like a spoiler for the end of yeah. the book, that there's going to be violence, necessary violence and a his- and a, and a, a translate and a Oxford translators revolution, because that doesn't come until like the last ten percent of the book, and this is a long book to get there. Right. So all the time that they're like jolly, yay, yay, let's yeah. just jolly around Oxford for three years. We're <laughs> students, and I'm like, yeah, and there's going to be necessary violence by the end and a revolution. Come yeah. on, let's get to it. Let's okay. get to it, yeah. and it does pay it off, and it's actually pretty satisfying. Like in some ways, it's pretty satisfying. Yeah. But if that wasn't holding there, this book would have had some weird left turns. I'm like, wait, now there's a revolution? No, but because it's in the title. Yeah. So it's not even in the blurb. It's right there in the title. I have something to say about this. Yeah. This is very much a title by a person that is coming from academia. Because this is what you do when you write a paper, yes. a thesis. Yes. You give it a title. Then you have it a sub. You give it a subtitle, and within the subtitle, you give it more explanation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is like a this is like a thesis or like a paper. Here's the thing. Title. If the book was like, oh, it says here as well. Um, again, I've not read these at all, but I'm just going to say what? Th- th- these books that I'm going to say. It's a thematic. This is from award-winning author. It comes Babel, a thematic response to the secret history I've not read, and a tonal retort to Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. Oh right. Also not read. Yes. However, I know Suzanne Clark. Yes, yeah, Susanna Clark. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I know the kind of thing that they're going for. Yeah. Like in this kind of way. So there's this stuff in Victorian Britain or whatever it is. Yeah. 
what I really oh the prestige is a book that came to mind of this which is set yeah, during the same yeah. uh, not maybe the same time if this is set a bit later but like the attitudes and the world building there felt really rich because it's using the language and the money and everything that's going on there that's yeah. sort of like it's somebody who starts becoming a magician and they do well in this and it literally is a journal or mm. letter is journal letters whatever and it's in this person's words and going through and there I'm like the if the prestige was called the prestige or the necessity of magic and the turn and the what you know whatever it's going to be like that if that had a longer one i'd be like yes that feels of its time because the language in the book feels like 1836 academia mm-hmm. this the the title that or the necessity of violence and arcane history of the oxford translators revolution that is the most academic this book feels yeah. and the most old timey this book feels mm. every single part of the book of the 20 hour audiobook that i listened to the language involved was hyper modern mm. except that leftover terminology that's still used to this day in oxford just because oxford university is 800 years old or however old it is. Yeah. yeah so the traditional language that our quang still used when she was there mm. like the names of the semesters and the different halls and the di- yeah. the way that you pronounce it's like Magdalene college but you read it and it says magdalene college it's like oh no but here we pronounce it Magdalen. why just whatever you know like the, the you have to know and that's the yeah, always stuff that, that you what, have to know this is always what it comes back down to right isn't it like you have to to be of the in-group to understand yeah no it's not even about that because it's it's fun world building and it get it gets across but she hasn't it doesn't feel like she's she did no work to make the language of the storytelling of the book anything but then the title has that mm. but like i say that's the most old-timey sentence in the whole book is right. the title okay moving on i've got a few more notes that i just want to get to the plotting i said stupid children are stupid and it feels very young adults because it's utterly sexless robin again this is a criticism of his character has no feelings emotionally sexually genuinely any emotional feelings for anybody okay like he doesn't look at any person with any desire any longing anything at all Mm mm-hmm he describes the food he's eating way more than the attractiveness or looks or anything or his or his emotional response to the attractiveness or looks of anyone around him. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of weird to have university students in a cohort so close together and be like that. And them not, again, not even be fucking, but that fucking doesn't even enter his mind. Yeah. It feels oh. so young adult. That yeah. It's, it's the, it, this is literally the most chaste 20 hour audiobook that i've ever it's the of every story of any story that i've ever spent any time with Mm. this is the most sexless loveless longingless emotionless chaste 20 hours of my life yeah of any story i've ever read anytime okay it's utterly devoid of I'm, i'm trying to think of examples of books that we've read recently i'm like oh what about you know Isaac Asimov in his robot books. I'm trying to find, think of someone so robotic. But then, like, no, people are turning up and sort of like, oh, oh yes, I'm not oh, naked because beautiful. I'm not. Yeah. No, it's like, like I tried not to look down. No, no, <laughs> it's like literally people are like, oh, and you're naked. It's like, no, I'm not naked because we're not in the same room as each right. other, so it doesn't mean anything. And it's like, oh, and like, and he's like, I'm like, oh, well, you know, I've got like, yeah. any any story that I've ever read ever yeah. has had any amount of like even any- robot and monk. It really there's some yeah. uh, again I don't even I don't even know what to say about it but it's it's like it's conspicuous in his absence like yeah. I'm literally I was getting to the end and I was like is he going to be 
I don't know, like, it, what, what, like, is there going to be some playing with pronouns? Has he been female all along? But no, it isn't because it's very, you know, it's a very sexist society. And I'm like, is he like asexual or bisexual or like, what, what's well, going to... Asexual, like, probably. Yeah, like, I don't, maybe but the thing is, not... it's not commented on. And yeah. he's complete, it's like, it's like someone has four years at university and doesn't, ever notice anyone going to a pub and having a drink of course they do in this book there is you know people do drink wine but it's like someone's university experience you're like oh i went to university you know oh lots of parties like no actually i didn't drink it's like oh that's it's interesting for someone who went through like three or four years of university and didn't drink once in the Mm -hmm. whole time Mm -hmm. didn't go to one party didn't do anything like and that's what it feels like you know the as an omission right there's footnotes all the way through the book um, and I put down a word that you don't like. It's woke splaining. Is <laughs> my is like again, you're you're raising your eyebrows, are tutting about this. There isn't a word which means like that's the word that we have for this. Where to say when somebody in conversation goes, oh yeah, yeah, and it's really bad or something like that to go. And now a footnote. Actually, it was worse than that. And I'm like, where's this footnote author? Does the, this footnote author is now in the future of these people looking back at actually how bad is that the slave... them being read out at the end or no, in it's, between? It's a different. It's a different audiobook. No, it pauses at the end of the paragraph and then obviously reads out the footnote that's meant to be at the bottom of the book. Okay, from, but again, after after the chapter, I listened to the Incomparable podcast about it, and they seem to say that that's that also happens in was it Jonathan? No, was it Jonathan Strain and Mr. Norrell? You know, these oh, right. books, by putting in footnotes, makes it feel academic and yeah, old-timey. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, absolutely. But then it's the question, who but, is putting these yes, footnotes that's in? Right. The, vo- the voice of the footnotes was very unclear, because sometimes the footnotes will be like, yes, and then Rami actually thought this, and Letty didn't think that, and was like, okay, so this is a non-Robin footnote insert. But then some of the footnotes felt like they were from Robin's point of view. And I'm like... the. I, I wanted an authorial voice yeah. in the footnotes, which wasn't this thing. And when I say woke explaining, what I mean is sort of like if something wasn't really, really clear in the text, they were like, actually, racism was worse than that because mm. this one. Yeah. Actually, the, you know, slavery was bad because of this. And I'm like, yeah. But the again, the, there was a there was a mismatch between like what are the footnotes doing at any time? And every time that a footnote would begin, I'm like, okay, wh- who? What's going on here? And mm-hmm. um, there also every time that there was a, a a translation, like obviously in the page there'd be some like Chinese characters or something. Mm-hmm. They would have someone read that out, and then I I played you that section before of the audiobook, yeah, where someone's saying something, and then it suddenly cuts, and it feels like it's recorded by a different voice or a different time, yeah. Feels like the main translator, who I'll now go over, who I'm guessing is um, either Chris Lou Hum Hoy or Billy Fulford Brown. I'm guessing Billy Ful- Fulford Brown is maybe the main translator there. Um, oh, it doesn't say anything here. Um, and then he's gone through, read the whole book, and then someone's listened back and gone, oh no, this is a book about translation and reading stuff out. Mm. And you've got a lot of these Latin phrases wrong, Greek phrases wrong, some Spanish phrases wrong, Chinese. Mm. And so they, he's re- gone back through and re- re-recorded okay. some words or sentences. Yes. And then they've just edited in that in. And it's and it was a bit confusing. I was lo- And then I looked at this, um, uh, th- this review. Where was this one down here as well? Um, oh. Oh, yeah, here it is. It's not the book or the author's fault, but the only reason this isn't a five-star book was because in the audiobook recording I listened to, there were these awkward cuts or overlays of some of the harder-to-pronounce foreign text in the narration. I don't know if it was read by another reader or recorded another time, but it was noticeable and took me out of the story every time. And it happens a lot in this book. Okay. There is obviously the main audiobook narrator mm-hmm. was struggling a bit. And now, actually, I think about it, 
the the uh, the other one is Chris Lou Come Hoy. Again, just from the name, sounds like they're probably better than Billy Fulford Brown at reading out the uh, reading out the uh, uh, Chinese translations and stuff. So anytime that Robin would say something in Chinese, the main audiobook narrator would say it, and then it would be repeated by someone who can actually pronounce Chinese with the right, right intonation. So ah, it's like that's difficult. It, it, yeah. yeah. I don't mind it. I actually thought it was, I thought it was clever. Well, not clever. I didn't mind it. It didn't take that, the repeating of words with the correct pronunciation didn't take me out of it because mm. it felt like that's, you know, the whole thing feels like an etymology and, you know, translation lecture. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was noticeable and uh, I think could have been done slightly better. Yes. I understand. Um, that's the author's note. I talked about that as well. Oh, yeah. And also the footnotes would throw in little facts like this place is called this. This road used to be called Grope Cunt Lane in Oxford. Right, and I'm yeah. like, yeah, I watched. Didn't I watch a video about that? What yes. is it? It's a, you know, probably a Tom Scott. Tom Scott did a video about it or whatever. Yeah. There are multiple uh, of these kind of streets yeah, any, all over. Yeah. What used to be Grove now is Grove Street in places yes. used to be Grope Street because it was the red light district. It would yeah, be. Yeah. It's like where the. The and so there's for, these different type for. bits and pieces. Mm. Also, at the start of the book, there's a, 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 a reading from some translation of, uh, I think it was Tacitus, it was mentioned here as well, where they go, they made a desert or they made it desolation and called it peace. And I'm like, okay, so we're doing a desolation called peace. And that made me think, like, because the book starts, like, right at the very start, there's got a, uh, you know, a desolation called peace, which is like the name of another book yep. about translation and empire and the people yep. from outside the empire being brought in and now working for the empire and the people inside the empire by learning languages of other places. And I'm like, okay, so we're just doing a memory called empire and a desolation called peace. And that kind of was buzzing around in my head. So I listened to the incomparable podcast about it. They discussed this back in February. I think it was actually, I can look it up here. Uh, yes, February. But I only just listened to the episode now because, mm -hmm. you know, the way that they talk about it, they just assume that they've read the book. Yes. And if it's a book club book, they're, they're going to do spoilers straight away. So they did it. Uh, it says here, um, I think it was Scott McNulty recommended it to. And everyone else had the same, not all the same. They had, some of them had similar things to say about this book. Everyone thought it was too long. I, to be honest, didn't think it was too long, okay. but everyone else thought it was too long. I was kind of just enjoying how how slow it was yeah. and the you know how repetitive it was. I was like, yeah, or whatever. Like, I just okay. hammer the point home. Um, but uh, but yes, they uh, they talked about this, and the thing that they mentioned as well was, oh yeah, it's like it's like a um, it's like a memory called Empire and a Desolation called Peace, but that was doing it much more like obliquely because it's like science fiction set in a fake empire in the future. And because this is set in British empire in the past, mm. it, it, it can resonate with, you know, people a lot more, you know, there's because if you're interested in like, oh, what are the opium wars? You could just look them up. Yeah. Oh, what was this revolution? Yeah, yeah, you can yeah. look at those. Oh, who were this? You can look it up. You know, a lot of the world building is yes. done for it. Yeah. And then it can concentrate much more on a person and their experience in there. Whereas, a memory called Empire has to set up the whole world yes. and set up everything about it yes. and the names that someone's called Seagrass and someone's called, you know, Helicopter 13 or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, and they said, so it's very good for early 20s readers. And I was like, yeah, may I think I'm just 20 years too old for this book. Okay. Um, they were also talking about when is the thing that happened? Like, when does the plot actually kick off? Mm. And they were like, oh, is it when Robin killed someone or whatever it is? And I'm like, yeah, could, could have been that. But I also had that. I'm just saying the things that they talked about, which I also 
also was buzzing around in my head as I was reading. It, I was like, all right, so when are we going to get to the necessity of violence and, uh, and an arcane history of a revolution of the Oxford Translation? Like all the way through, I was like waiting for that to kick off. Yes. And it felt like some of those were like surprised by that happening. And I was like, it's in the title of the book. There's going to be necessary violence and there's going to be a, a, yeah. revelation, a revolution. So funnily enough, obviously, seems to be like the subtitle of a book is doing heavy lifting in your building your interest in in continuing and reading the book yeah i don't know i find that interesting i don't know like again i think maybe i just had low expectations because i you know whatever yeah um they said is it an idiot plot disposing of a body in the easiest situation possible i was like yeah that's it they also said that some of them were saying there's the magic system that underpins everything but actually in the end becomes quite boring Mm. because it becomes like like industrial infrastructure rather than anything wondrous Mm. so a lot of like the ideas behind it with the translation i found really fascinating and then how it's used in the story and that it's a linchpin of the empire is also really fascinating but the actual magic the use in the book is very mundane Mm -hmm. you know me so like what are we doing are we here and there's a fountain and the fountain's not running and it's meant to keep you know the bubbling fountain has this side effect of making the garden a bit quieter because there's a bustling road outside and that's what they're paying us for and he's sort of like is that what we're using magic for? And it feels like all the way through the book, it's not like, really? We're just going to make a slightly better telephone. I already oh, thought no, like, no if, if there would be magic like that, you could just yeah. have like literally a silver spoon, put the magic thing in it. Yeah. And then all your food is nutritious and tastes good. Yeah, that, that you could probably work out some mistranslation or like uh, ambiguous, or whatever the right? meaning difference between the two words and the two languages, where the, the etymology comes from. You but could do you that. Could ma- basically, but by implying that, yeah. you could also end hunger and starvation. But they're not interested in that because it's about class warfare as well, that the mm. rich people who own the factories are going to get the benefit and the working class people are just out of work and being told that they're lazy, mm. you know. Um, so, yeah, but it's a it's a boring magic system, which is fascinating in one way, but boring, but then underpins everything. Mm-hmm. They have this, like, planned obsolescence of, like, oh, yeah, we've got to... The way that we get paid is that we make sure that these things run out after, like, six months or two years. So you've got to come back and just say the words again. So they came back, they come right. back, make sure that the inscription on the silver is good again, say the two words, and then leave. And they're like, all right, we've got to come back here in, you know, six months. They'll pay us some more money, and yep. their fountain will keep working in their garden. Ah, capitalism. <laughs> but, yeah... Planned obsolescence and stuff like that. And so all the way through, and then one of them said, this book is gilding the lily. Do you know the idea of gilding the lily? Is when... You take something that's already beautiful and then put gold on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The lily is already beautiful enough. You don't need to gold plate it. Yes. And that's what they said. Someone mentioned that, said that word. And I was like, yeah, that's what this book is. It's gilding the lily, the book. Like this <laughs> is a book which is about a thing, but actually it's, it's really about the thing. And you know what it's about? That thing. Yes. And just to be really clear, this is what the book is about. Yeah. This thing here is what the book is about. Uh, so it's gilding the lily and then pointing arrows at it. And the arrows blink. And, and, the, and the arrows that are pointing at the gilded lily are also gilded. Yes. You know, that's yeah. what this book is. So anyway, uh, an hour and ten minutes about the book. I think that's long enough to say. Again, yeah. over, and it sounds like I've panned this book, but there was enough interesting stuff in this book that I mostly enjoyed reading it. Three stars. Do you recommend it to me? Should no, I read it? I don't think you. No, no? I don't think there's much. Why not? I'm really interested in in oh, language. Actually, maybe it's better it for you. It sounds really good for me. If you know less than less about the British Empire than I do, less Obviously. about less about the Chinese Opium Wars than I do, less Obviously. about the Industrial Revolution than I do. Yes. Less about going to Oxford than I do, for which sure. is almost nothing. For sure. 
And you did you like Harry Potter? Because it feels like a bit of a Harry Potter rejoinder as well. Because well, it's a magic I, school, which is boring. I wouldn't rather say than, I grew ooh. up with Harry Potter, but I was in the kind of like late-ish yeah. uh, like age group for Harry Potter. I enjoyed the first books because I was at the right age. Yeah, maybe. Um, uh, again, I'm not, I've never read Harry Potter and I've only known it through the movies, but again, on the Uncomfortable podcast, they're saying this is probably for a younger audience. Yeah, and who, I'm five years younger than you yeah. are. Um, well, they're saying it's for people in their early 20s. Who well, are I'm like, not in my early 20s. This might be their to first. To be honest, ex- this might be, What I'm saying is, <sighs> again, from the Uncomfortable <laughs> podcast, which they recorded in February, they said yes. that this book is maybe good for people who don't, who don't have a grounding in the real colonialism, British British Empire, right, and, and history with with China and opium wars, and yeah. and how fucked up that situation was, and the whole the, the whole situation is fucked up. So if you want that from someone who is again the the really wrong race to, o- to fit in, Oxford. but is otherwise massively privileged and has a right old jolly time for half of the book, but you're having a well, right old jolly time at Oxford, like R.F. Quang obviously had a right old jolly time, but obviously she's the wrong race to fit in there, so she yes. obviously had. A, but again, it, there's there's lot there's in all of that stuff I thought was actually interesting. You know what? If this book had finished, they'd just gone through the fourth year and then just went to work for the British Empire, and all of the necessity of violence and you know revolution was all subtext under everything i think i'd have enjoyed the book just as much maybe slightly more okay but it does get more serious and more there's more jeopardy at the end of the book i will put it on my to read list and if it comes up at the library it's a long book i uh, might uh, go for it it's a long because book. i will and unlike you uh, read it and i will see how that experience <laughs> has a different impact cool we're not going to do another episode about it though no. If you if you read it, yeah, yeah, might, I just, it's it, just going to be a side note. Yeah, yes. maybe a side note. Okay, what's next then? Uh, don't know. I, I had some other books that I was hovering around the first few chapters of. Mm. Um, but then, you, yeah, but then you got the, some time coming up. Yeah, I've got to do a two week trip, six sea days. I'm sailing across the Atlantic. That's a uh, long hours of no, no, listening I, to I, all I can your fill book my time. possibilities. Uh, yeah, so the third book in the Adrian Tchaikovsky. Um, uh, architecture series what's it called final architecture book three yeah uh, the lords of uncreation yes you started that book uh no i just got it from oh, the library just, i'm uh, going to finish up the other book which is uh, just so i just spent a credit pages. of that yesterday so i'll get to that and i've yep. got a few other books but again i'm never quite sure if i'm going to finish them and so i don't want to promise an episode about them yeah but cool. so maybe probably some other books as well i'll be home in two weeks we'll do our next episode in probably two weeks time or just over two weeks time yeah maybe We'll Let's do Lords see. of un- Uncreation. Yeah, I will see how far I come. I, I didn't actually look how long that is. No, you said 20 hours. What? I don't know. I'll just have a look here. Lords of Uncreation. Uh, yes, I, it says I've 20 got 20 hours. hours and 34 minutes left. Oh, I just put it on. I put it on last night. Um, yeah, so th- I was saying this isn't a 20-hour audiobook. 21 hours, 40 minutes. So this this Babel, or the necessity of violence and arcane history of the Oxford Translators Revolution. It's so cute. Stop pointing at school. I can't look around and see the squirrel and also do a podcast. <laughs> um, for me, it's always Babel. 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 That's funny because in English, it would say I would say Babel, but Americans are calling it Babel and you're oh, calling it Babel. Babel. You're going to do some weights with a barbell Bar- in the gym. <laughs> no. All right. Let's uh, finish this up. Thanks a lot for listening. And oh no, you can email me luke at juggler.net. Become my Goodreads friend and I can see what you think about this. The the, the author's, uh, sorry, the, the narrator's thing issue there was from Aaron Vincent. He gave it 4.5 stars. Yeah, overall, this book is is highly reviewed. That's why it, it floated to the top yeah, of my list because it's got 4.23 
stars overall yeah. and I would give you the average rating of SFB listeners or my friends on Goodreads but that's, but that's not available anymore has been taken away so friends and followers 68 people have reviewed or uh, rated it so I saw one of... one star yeah no I totally understand if this book for you is completely everything about this novel seemed dull and unimaginative to me even the magic was not magical Babel probably should have been marketed as young adults that's from Ellison one star right. I totally understand that like again yeah. I think this should be young adult yeah or it could be young adult it's definitely for younger readers who just don't know enough and that they need the message like mm-hmm. like repeated over and over again until they actually get it that you know, racism bad colonialism bad you know solidarity good or whatever <laughs> revolution right. problematic we, well, violence but... <laughs> not always necessary yeah right so if you want to see all that you uh, can join and have a discussion on the uh, sfbrp listener group threads topics um where you can also recommend books to luke you can also give feedback on the episodes <laughs> Luke is now reading more, more reviews. I just want to say, Zivan, thank you very much. This is the last review that turns up here. 17, 17th review. Babel took me back to my university days to a place where learning was exciting and knowledge was prized. This is the great thing. Again, I, I, would say these, I would say this is spoilers, but this is not spoilers. I would have liked a different ending, using skill to create new and exciting match pairs that will change the world. But I guess... When you call your tower Babel, narrative causality takes over. <laughs> of course. It's like, yes, at the end, we all know what has yes, to I happen. Know. And that's the thing as I'm going through. Like, it's a book where the title, like, not even the subtitle, not even the extra title. No, no, the or, title and itself. And it says the violence. Like, the name that it's called Babel. It's So like, heavy lifting. Yeah, it's doing it's doing a lot of heavy lifting. And yeah. there's this, and it is, it's, it's a real, like, fight club ending where they're like, the towers are falling and we're resetting. You know, all of that's going on. And you're like, great good babel it's called the babel like we know we knew what was going to happen like i like you told well, me everybody what's happening would have been very disappointed so again, if that wouldn't don't really, so i'm totally like i again i think yeah and that's the other thing as i was going through i was like mm, i really hope that the ending's going to be about like it says clever wordplay creating a magic which is going to solve stuff no it isn't again the magic is very mundane and boring and that's it's actually necessary violence and revolution right. which is gonna which and not we're gonna use the magic to no, at end, the end starvation the, at the end of the book there is they're all like oh, we're gonna study some words and the spell that they create the new spell which is gonna help solve their problems at the end I thought it was gonna be like you know putting two things together and making and sneaking some like do a gunpowder plot you know where you get the yeah. uh, yeah, you, the Guy Fawkes, Guy Fawkes gets some explosives under the houses of parliament and he's gonna wait for the king to be there and blow or whatever it's gonna be and I thought oh they're gonna do a gun powder plot but it's going to be a silver plot where mm-hmm. they put words on different things go under the houses of parliament and say the words and then the parliament is going to decide not to declare war on china mm-hmm. and invade and enforce mm-hmm. you know opium trade and take over hong kong like or whatever it's going real to be. implications i thought it was actually going to be action and politics and the spell that they come up with at the end is that they put these two words together and it makes the flyers that because they've you know made flyers like information yeah. it makes them fly around and go around the city and land in different places and i was like that's it i thought the clever stuff was going to be like anti-racism anti-war messages and you're going to sneak into the houses of parliament and it's going to be difficult because you're half chinese uh, black and uh, so many and, opportunities and, and uh, from from india so then you're going to have to get some you know british people and you're going to have to convince no Mm. necessity of violence and and revolution mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and babel mm-hmm. and a tower falling so mm-hmm. again spoilers but it's in the 
it's in the title. Yeah, it's in the title. It's in the title. We all know what's so, going to happen. Yes, I could. I would have been more disappointed with the end and how things are re- resolved, except oh. for the lit- the entirety of the title, except for every word yeah, yeah, of the, the title. Yeah. No. All right. So that's the end now. Really, is it? Uh, is the end of the review? Yes. Become my friends. Go go Goodreads. Uh, listener SFBRP listener group email me look at juggler.net follow me on Instagram and Mastodon you'll find the links in the blog post or the podcast feed reader thing that you're using here as well thanks a lot for listening and we'll catch you next time goodbye <laughs>